This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. They have everything from Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans. They've got everything you want. I have the Saucy, which is a terrific saucepan. It has curved sides. It has a pouring spout. It has a lid. And it looks so elegant. It's really a pleasure just to look at it on the counter, even before we're using it. Yes, I love all the colors. Yeah. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com, promo code HAPPIER. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to build happier habits into your daily life. This week, we'll talk about why you should always leave some room in the suitcase, and we'll tackle the common happiness stumbling block of having to give a toast. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, the four tendencies, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who is renowned for her ability to make great toasts. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And, Gretch, that's very generous of you. I don't know if I'm renowned, but I do enjoy um, a good toast. And, Gretch, I have to toast you right now because you made the New York Times bestseller list with your new book, The Four Tendencies. Yes, it's very exciting. It's a huge milestone in the life of a writer. So thank you, everyone. It was so fun to meet listeners and readers on my book tour, which is still going on. And also, special thanks to everyone who said nice things about Happier in Hollywood, Elizabeth, your podcast with uh, your writing partner, Sarah yes. Fain, and my daughter Eliza's podcast, Eliza Starting at 16. It was so fun to hear people talking about all the podcasts. So thank you, everyone, for those kind words. Yes. Well, congratulations, Scratch. Thank you. And now a reminder for everyone that our upcoming very special episode 140 is going to focus on saying the right thing and saying the wrong thing. Keep those examples coming. We've already received a lot of uh, really helpful emails from people. I mean, as you're thinking about whether you have a good example of saying the right thing or saying the wrong thing, Alyssa, these are two questions Mm -hmm. that I've asked myself. I don't know if you've asked yourself this. One is, do you ever wonder, like you've heard indirectly that somebody's coping with some difficult situation. And then you see that person out and about and you wonder, should I bring it up and acknowledge it and sort of talk to them about it? Or is that upsetting because that person might feel like people are talking about them behind their back? You know, have you ever wondered that? Right. If you don't directly have the information from them, should you just sort of act like you don't know? 
Yeah, right, because maybe good maybe they don't want to talk about it or maybe they don't want the feeling that everybody's talking about them. And then another thing that I've wondered is when someone's dealing with something that's unfolding over time, should you regularly bring it up? And that's a way to show thoughtfulness and consideration. And I'm, I know that you're dealing with this. Or is that a downer because the person is like, I don't want to talk about this every time I see you. I just want to be normal. Right. I thought about this because a friend of mine's mother had terminal cancer, but, you know, went on for a while. And whenever I asked her, she would always say, thank you for asking. And so she was signaling to me that she appreciated it. Mm. But if she hadn't said that, I don't know if I would have known what to do. Yeah, that's tough because also everyone can be different. You know, one person might want to talk about it a lot. Somebody else might never want to talk about it. Yeah, that's that's one of the tricky things that's coming up with this. Yeah, and because people, you know, feel differently about this, it's helpful if they send a cue like your friend who said thanks for asking to let you know um, where they are in that. Yeah, it was really, really helpful for her to do that. So that's coming up for very special episode 140. And in this episode, Elizabeth, our try this at home tip is always leave extra room in the suitcase. And this was inspired by my book tour because I was committed to the idea of I was only going to take a carry on bag. And Mm. I had a little bit of extra space as I was getting ready to leave. And I thought about, well, I'll just cram in some alternative outfits, maybe an extra sweater. And then I thought, you know what? I should leave some extra space. Mm. I shouldn't cram it full. I should give myself some room. Well, this sounds like something that's literally true. Like literally people should leave room in the suitcase. Uh-huh. And then it's also metaphorically true somehow. Yes. No, I think it is metaphorically true because it's about making room for new things to come in. Just like in the suitcase, like if I go and somebody gives me a book that I want to pack, I have room for this extra book or if I want to frame one more family photo and put it in my apartment somewhere, it's not like everything is thrown into disarray because I've crammed my place so full that there's no room for anything else to be added. Yeah, I feel like it having that little extra room, whether it be in the suitcase or, you know, in your house or in your mind, <laughs> um, gives you more of a feeling of calm. Like, as you know, Gretchen, I've discussed numerous times on our podcast, I'm doing our renovation of our house. And, um, you know, I have the new closet in my bedroom. Yeah, gorgeous. And one thing, thank you. (laughs) One thing I noticed is I have still empty shelves in the closet, but I do have more clothes that need to theoretically go into the closet. Like I have various sort of baskets and, you know, storage boxes that have like hoodies (laughs) and jeans and all this stuff. And it's like, I don't want to put them in the closet because I like having those empty shelves. I like having that extra space. And so I've found myself, which is probably a good thing, thinking, what can I get rid of so that I don't have to cram this closet full? Absolutely. And this is, you know, the luxury of space. And in Happier at Home, my book about how to be happier at home, um, one of my resolutions was somewhere to keep an empty shelf. And I like have an absolutely empty shelf. And I'll post a link to a video where I show the empty shelf because people are always saying to me, like, is that shelf still empty? I'm like, yes, I guard that shelf with my life because I love the fact that it's empty. There's just satisfaction in having that margin. Yeah. I love a broad margin to my life and that room in the suitcase, that room on the shelf, it just it just makes you feel more expansive. Yeah. And then in a very literal sense for the suitcase, I feel like you don't dread packing yeah. to go home 
when you have when you know that it's going to be easy to shut your suitcase. Yes. <laughs> because Gretchen, for example, I have a new carry-on bag mm-hmm. and what I didn't realize when I got it is that it's just slightly smaller than my old carry-on <laughs> bag. Uh, which like the wheels came off of, so I can't possibly use it. And so it's like now I'm jamming it. I'm stuffing it full every time I go somewhere. So I think I need a new carry-on bag that has just that little bit of extra room. But, you know, it's occurring to me that maybe this is actually kind of related to a know yourself better question, which is, do you like to have room in the suitcase or do you like to use every available inch? Because I think that Mm. on reflection, there are some people who really take great delight in taking advantage of every possible space. Like you think of something like on HGTV that show tiny houses and it's like they make such cunning use of every available opportunity. There is sort of a gratification that comes from that. For me, the gratification of the empty shelf is much larger, but I know that there is that sort of Mm. person who loves every hook, every drawer, every divider, you know, every pocket being taken advantage of. Yeah. And to the point of the suitcase, there's probably thousands of videos one could watch (laughs) online of people packing suitcases and like rolling things and putting things in bags and dividing them and using every inch. So, yeah, you know, floats your boat. Yeah, if you have a lot of ideas about how to load a dishwasher, you may have a lot of ideas about how to how to properly pack exactly. a carry-on bag. So let us know if you do try this at home and how leaving some extra room in the suitcase works for you. Let us know on Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode at happiercast.com slash 138. This is episode 138 for everything related to this episode. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. 
Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. So, Elizabeth, this week our happiness hack came from our listener, Stephanie, and she has a, a very useful happiness hack. Yes, she says, I have a happiness hack that could be useful for all four tendencies, but especially questioners. I'm a questioner and an underbuyer, and I struggle with analysis paralysis when making decisions about what to buy, no matter how big or small the item. My hack is the website, The Wire Cutter, part of the New York Times Company. They review all the product options in a category based on a huge number of factors and then give you their top recommendation. No surprise, they're now my first stop when trying to choose which product to buy. I may still read far too many reviews and debate the decision for longer than is necessary, but at least I've narrowed down my options from the get-go. Now that I have and love several of their recommended products, everything from my space heater to my shaving cream, it's done much to calm my questioner tendency and spend less time on these kind of decisions. Well, I think this is a great hack. First of all, it's a great resource, which I did not know about. And I really wish I when I, I was just I just bought a tripod for my iPhone. And like, mm. I really wish I'd known about this because that could have saved me a lot of aggravation. But what's interesting about Stephanie, so she's talking about how she's a questioner and she's experiencing analysis paralysis. This is something that can plague questioners. And one of the best ways to deal with it is to use trusted authorities, which is to say, mm. I trust that they're doing their research so I can be very guided by their judgment. I'm not going to slavishly follow their advice because I am a questioner and have to come to my own conclusions, but I can trust that they're going to have done a lot of the research for me. And so here, this is great. She's really figured out a way to save herself a lot of time and energy because questioners can get pulled into that constant, constant research. But of course, all of us face this, which is, oh my gosh, there's so many categories of products and so many products to choose from. Where do you even start? Yeah, Adam was actually buying a leaf blower of all things recently. And I <laughs> really wish that we'd known about this because this would be like the per a leaf blower is the perfect thing to look up and have someone go buy this one. Yes. Go, okay. Right. Right. And you're like, I don't even care. Just tell me which is the best one. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So thank you very much, Stephanie, for that hack. And I will post a link to the wire cutter in the show notes for happiercast.com slash 138. Okay, Gretchen, it's time for a happiness stumbling block. Yeah, this is a stumbling block, I think, for a lot of people. And that is having to stand up in front of a crowd and give a toast. Very often it's a wedding toast, but any kind of toast is something that people really dread many times. Some people love to do it. Many people, it's a big happiness stumbling block. Yes. Giving a toast can be incredibly stressful. Well, listen, you're great at giving toasts. Um, I remember at my rehearsal dinner how you managed, you gave a great, beautiful, thoughtful toast, and you even managed to incorporate a reference to one of my very favorite novels, Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf, the line, what a lark, what a plunge. And I've never forgotten it. But I think you probably worked very hard on that toast. I did work hard on that <laughs> toast. And, you know, one thing about toast, the most important thing um, that I've learned in my years of giving toasts is that the most important thing is to plan in advance. Yeah. It can be very time consuming and stressful because you really want to, you know, 
honor whoever's being toasted. But pretending like it doesn't exist and saying, oh, I'll just think about it the day of or don't have a couple drinks and think, oh, it'll just roll off my tongue. Not a good idea. Yeah. People do better when they plan in advance, when they think it through. And I think this is something you can mention to other people, too. Like Jamie and I had an anniversary party and it was like, I'm going to give a toast. He's going to give a toast. And I said to him. I'm thinking about my toast in advance, and I want you to think about your toast in advance because he kind of prides himself on being an extemporaneous speaker. But I think Mm. people often overestimate how good they are. And I was like, I'm strongly suggesting that it will be a better experience for all if you think about it in advance. And he did. So I was glad that I spoke up and said, this is one of those situations where it's not a, I'll speak from the heart in the moment. It's like, okay, I'm going to think about this beforehand. Yes, and you both gave great toasts at your anniversary party. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. But Alyssa, here's my question for you is what do you do about nervousness? Because I think that's for a lot of people, it's the planning of what to say, but then it's also just getting up in front of a lot of people and talking. What do you do about the nervousness? Yeah, you know, well, I wish I had my beta blockers back when I was giving (laughs) a lot of toasts. Um, I can certainly say the thing not to do, which is don't drink a lot. I think some people think drinking will help them feel less nervous. And I don't think that's a good idea. I think you should hold off on any alcohol until after you're done with your toast Um, or maybe half a glass of wine. But do not let yourself get up there in any state other than complete sobriety. For sure, do not tell any embarrassing stories, like really embarrassing that somebody would not want their parent to hear. Like, don't need to hear about the time you, you know, threw up at the frat party. Um, Don't need to hear about any ex-girlfriends or boyfriends. Right. One of the biggest things that makes a toast really successful that I've noticed when I'm watching people give toasts is if they talk equally about both people, if it's about more than one person. Yes. And this is obviously specifically at a wedding. Right. And I think remembering that it, and this would have helped me had I had the maturity to realize this back when I was giving a lot of toasts. It's not about you. I mean, I would definitely make toasts very much about me and like my performance and how clever could I sound, but it's about the people, you know? So if you just remember everyone is there to celebrate whoever, whether it's a couple at a wedding or a person at a retirement party or whatever the occasion, it's really about them. And so people don't care about you. And that can be um, liberating. Yes. And then my final thing I would say about toast is just do it. I mean, as much as, you know, it's really not a big deal. Just do it. Even if you're scared, just do it. You can say something very short. I think short toasts are always appreciated. Yes. Um, But, you know, I used to be dreading giving these toasts. And now it's like I would give anything to have a friend who is getting married and have the occasion to get all of us together and be doing this. I feel like so many of these big life events, you know, are done and now we're not, we don't have these reasons to get together and celebrate. And I miss it so much. It's it just like every time I hear about someone going to a wedding, like, you know, I have assistants, you know, in the office who'll be in the phase of all their friends getting married. I'm so jealous. Well, maybe this is a good example of your saying, Elizabeth, uh, don't treat a gift like a burden because it can feel like a burden to be giving a lot of wedding toasts because you're in that phase of life where everybody's getting married. But it's actually a wonderful stage of life. And it's a stage of life that kind of comes to a conclusion. So it's good to remember how fun it is, too. 
And the thing about toast is I think people really do appreciate a toast. It's not an empty gesture. It's something that people really do respond to. Yeah. Um, But it'll be really interesting to hear people's advice, insights, cautionary tales. Um, What's the worst toast you've ever heard? That would probably be really fun Mm -hmm. to know. (laughs) I've heard some bad ones, uh, including at my own wedding. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait to hear people's uh, toast stories. And now for a listener question. Uh, As always, you can leave a voicemail question at 774-277-9336, which is also 77-HAPPY-336, or send us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. We love to hear from you. Yes. And Gretchen, this week's listener question comes from Maya. She says, I work in a health clinic with about 25 employees. It is a wonderful group of people, supportive, fun, hardworking, etc., Food treats are a frequent and happy occurrence. Someone brings donuts or cake or other baked goods at least once a week. I used to also contribute just to add to the community spirit, but I know a few of my coworkers are watching their weight. One recently got diagnosed with diabetes. She expressed to me how hard it is to decline the treats in the break room. I haven't brought donuts since. I can't bring myself to do it knowing it creates stress for specific people but I still want to provide some sort of happy, possibly healthy thing for my coworkers. Any ideas for an individual? My go-to food alternative is flowers or nice stationery, but as a casual thing for the whole office, doesn't really work. Of note, attempts at fresh fruit or healthy snacks haven't seemed to garner much enthusiasm. They just sit in the break room, sadly, surrounded by donut (laughs) crumbs. So, well, you know, we have thoughts on this one, Gretchen. No, and we've talked about it a lot. We've talked about it here on Happier. You and Sarah have talked about it in Happier in Hollywood. We've talked a lot about why we don't think this is a good idea. There's a lot of controversy about this subject. But she's actually asking a different question, a very useful question, which is, if I don't want to bring the treats, and by the way, Elizabeth, when I showed up at the Panoply Studios today, there was a giant thing of noodle kugel, like help yourself right there on the counter. The evil Kugelbringer. Mm-hmm. So what are some other kind of consumable treats, do you think, if you don't want to bring in the cupcakes um, or the Halloween candy? Well, this might be too L.A., but people here in Los Angeles love LaCroix. Oh, which yeah. Is like a flavored, you know, seltzer water. Yeah. I mean, my office always has LaCroix because we have just an insane amount of food in our office. But for most normal offices where that's not the case, I think... That would be really welcome or like diet Dr. Pepper or diet root beer, like some kind of soda. Now, a lot of people don't want to drink soda of any kind, but certainly healthier than a donut, you know, that you just wouldn't normally have could be a fun little treat during the day. No, like my book club, the official soft drink of my book club is Fresca. And it's like most people never have Fresca, but then it's sort of Mm. fun. It's like, oh, we're going to have Fresca at the book club. Also, Starbucks to go. You know, sometimes people get those boxes of Starbucks. For some reason, it's like, oh, yeah, there's coffee at the office. But if it's Starbucks, people seem to feel like it's more of a treat. It'd be really expensive to get everybody their own drink and and logistically hard. But if you got one of those to-go boxes, that might be something that would make people feel like, ooh, you know, this is a little something special. Yes, that's a great idea. But I like the idea of like, let's get away from kind of consumables. What are some things that are festive and fun that you don't have to eat or drink. 
Well, one thing, um, and especially like if there is a break room where people go, I think like bringing a puzzle could be a good alternative. You put out a puzzle and then people can just sort of take turns yeah. doing it throughout the day. And it's a community feeling and something kind of fun. And if people have no idea what the puzzle is of, then it's just kind of a fun little surprise. Like, oh, this is the puzzle. I mean, you could do one that's 500 pieces yeah. and might take, you know, days to get done. That's a great idea. It's it's fun. You're bringing in a gift. You're contributing to the community spirit, but it's it's not edible. And sort of along those same lines, I think word magnets. If you have an office fridge mm. or some kind of mag- magnetic sur- surface, people get a big kick out of um, them. And now there's all different kinds of word magnets. So you could do something fun with that. Yeah, it's fun when people make different sentences and then you come back later and there's, you know, another sentence on the refrigerator. And it's it's just fun to see what people come up with. Yeah. Um, and if it's a holiday, I mean, I think a lot of times people are bringing stuff in on Halloween, on Valentine's Day, yeah. you know, just occasions like that they want to celebrate in the office. Instead of bringing in food, you could bring in decorations. Yes. So, you know, hang a happy Valentine's Day banner or have, you know, paper hearts around or streamers. Yes. And I think that really gives the office a festive air. Um, without, you know, hurting anybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that is a fantastic idea. I love that idea. And now it seems like decorations have advanced so far in like the last five years. Yeah. They're so cool. They're pretty inexpensive. They're everywhere. And there's like banners and twinkle lights and window gels and all this stuff that's really kind of whimsical and fun and cool and not that expensive. I think that's a great idea. Or you could just pick something like, you know, Groundhog Day or whatever. um, Or like, you know, the founding day of our office or whatever you might be. um, Because I think it does give people that feeling of like, ooh, today is special. Like, this is fun. Let's all gather around and talk about something. I love that idea. Let's do holiday decorations. I love it. I remembered, Gretchen, I'm reminded of one time um, on a show we were on uh, the morning of the Christmas party, all the assistants came in early and they wrapped every <laughs> item in the writer's room. So they wrapped the table, they wrapped the chairs, they wrapped the whiteboards, they wrapped the erasers, everything. And it was it was so festive and funny and everyone just died over it. So I do think decorations go a long way. And it's so memorable, too. Like, you still are talking about that, whereas if they break holiday cookies, you would never have thought of it again. I mean, this is like in our family where we do holiday breakfast as a way to do it. Um, I think it is really fun to mark these holidays. It really does make time feel more rich. So anyway, I would be curious to know what if people have other suggestions for Stephanie about how do you show kind of that community spirit for an office in a non-treat way. So uh, hit us up with your suggestions. Yes, please. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Yeah, Jack has green light. And one thing I love is that it includes a chores feature where you can set up one time or recurring chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. 
Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the hat chore? Mm-hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier. Okay, demerits and gold stars. Elizabeth, this is an even episode, which means it's your turn for demerit. Yes. Um, okay, Gretch. My happiness to merit is it's in the realm of, you know, one that I've given myself many times before, um, which is the exercise realm. Mm. It's also about identifying the problem. Ooh. So as I've mentioned, I have a treadmill at home that I use. Sometimes I use it a lot. Sometimes I use it a little. And right now, though, I'm not using it at all. So mm. that's the demerit. But more specifically, my demerit is that the reason I'm not using it, I know the reason, is that our TV is not working in that room. Right, because you pair it, right? For you, it's like you pair TV and usually like the Real Housewives with treadmill time. So that's talking about from better than before the strategies that you can use to make or break habits. You very successfully use the strategy of pairing TV watching and treadmill. Yeah, and I'm so dependent on that pairing that now that the TV isn't working, Mm. I'm just never going on the treadmill. And, you know, in terms, so that's the problem. Identify the problem. It's that the TV's not working, but here's the issue. I haven't done anything about it. So it's like, (laughs) I know the TV's not working and I haven't tried to fix it. I have, it's kind of an, uh, and a, a an unwar a TV that's not working is very much in Adam's sort of realm of what he would deal with. Yeah. But I haven't even pressed him to deal with it. He would deal with it if I was like every day the TV's not working, still not working. You know, I know he would do something about it, but I just haven't. Ah. So you know, part of it I think is I feel bad because. He has so many house things he's dealing with. I don't want to add to that. But then also, I'm sure there's a part of me that just unconsciously doesn't want to be on the <laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe now that you've sort of explicitly spoken this demerit aloud, it can inspire you to say to Adam, because it's a value for him to have you on the treadmill. Like he wants you to be healthy and exercising. So if you say, I'm not exercising because that TV is broken. Can you, add, I'm sorry to add something to your list, but can you add it? I mean, you know. Yeah. 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 No, I need to do that because it's, um, it makes a huge difference for me when I, when I do the treadmill a lot, I'm just so much healthier. My blood sugar is so much better, as we've discussed, being a type one diabetic. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's the whole, you know, burning calories element. So I really, really need this to get back on the treadmill. So I'm glad I said it. Now I'll, I'll keep you posted. Excellent. Do that. All right, Gretch, what is your gold star? Enough about me not doing the treadmill. Okay. Well, so as you know, I am obsessed with color. I have this weird side project going on with color, uh, and I've talked about it many times. So both listeners and readers have been very kind to act as kind of my worldwide research assistants and to send me really interesting links and articles and videos and whatever um, related to color, which has been so thank you. Gold star to you guys. That's like secondary gold star for sending me this up. So several people have sent me links to something called Enchroma, these Enchroma videos. So Enchroma is the specialty eyewear maker. They make glasses that alleviate red-green color blindness. So that's one of the Mm. most common kinds of colorblindness. It's red-green, and people who are colorblind have a hard time distinguishing certain colors. 
And so Enchroma encourages people to have videos taken when they put the glasses on for the first time. So there's all these videos of people putting on these Enchroma glasses. Sometimes they don't even know that that's what these glasses are going to do. They think they're just sunglasses or something. And so you see people reacting as they are seeing color for the first time. Mm. And they just, their minds are blown. It's so fun. It's so exciting. It's thrilling to imagine um, what it's like to see color for the first time. So I'm going to post on, in the show notes at happiercast.com slash 138. I'll post a clip to a CNBC segment that they did about this, and it shows like clips of different people responding. And it also shows you what it looks like to be colorblind and then what it would look like with the glasses if you're curious to know what it would look like to be red-green colorblind or then to have it fixed. Mm, that is so cool. And as somebody who's obsessed with color, it's like one guy's like, I just had no idea what red was. It's just like, it's oh, just, wow. it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it really makes you appreciate that if you can perceive color, uh, what a gift it is. And by the way, like, what would it be like to see a new color? Like, you know, some insects and birds and things see colors we don't see. Like, I can't even imagine that. What wow. would another color look like? These are people that actually, as adults, <laughs> see a whole new color. I just think it's thrilling. That is so awesome. Yeah. So check it out. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Leave some room in the suitcase literally or figuratively. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also thanks to Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like this show, as always, please be sure to tell a friend. And when I was on my book tour, a lot of people who came were like, here I am with my friend who introduced me to your Aww. podcast or introduced you to your books. So I so appreciate that. And subscribe to us where you get your podcast. Uh, this week, the resources, I want to remind you that you can sign up for my newsletter. You can just email me at podcast at or I will post a link to that. And in my newsletter, every few weeks or once a month, I send kind of interesting links and bonus materials and information, things like that. And also, um, we talked about using the four tendencies, specifically questioners and how they can um, fight analysis paralysis. If you want to think about how to use your tendency in order to change your habits, you can email me to get the one pager that's a quick guide to which strategies work best for which tendencies. So uh, email us or look up at the links in the show notes. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. 
Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.